All right, another big game for Cole Swider and another orange win. Four straight wins now. We'll break it all down on today's podcast. Talk some Frank Anselm. He really stepped up with a big game off the bench. Also discuss what we're seeing from Benny Williams and more. It's all coming up. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on into the Lockdown Syracuse podcast. Happy to have you with us on this Wednesday edition. Thank you for making us your first listen every single weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there free and available also on YouTube as well to subscribe to the show there. It is Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky fresh off a 74 to 63 victory. A game that Syracuse never trailed in second straight win that they have not trailed in wire to wire fashion. Wasn't quite the blowout that maybe we were hoping for or maybe we got in the Louisville game, but another really strong performance tie from Cole Swider. He was fantastic in this game and really has been for the duration of the four-game winning streak. You look at some of his numbers over that stretch, he's averaging a little over 17 points per game, but he's shooting 74% from three during this four-game winning streak. 14 for 19. That's so he's now, he's now up to about 40% on the season as a whole. He is, this is the Cole Swider that we were asking for. This is the Cole Swider we were sort of expecting because, I mean, this Cole Swider, I went out, I remember at the beginning of the season and said, my bold prediction for Syracuse was Cole Swider will be the best transfer in the ACC. Now, even with the way he's playing now, he's not the best transfer in the ACC because you've got a guy like Alondis Williams at Wake Forest, but he's in the conversation if he's playing like he has over the four-game stretch. And this is sort of what we were, we were expecting all season long, but it's almost a shame you're getting it this late into the season, and it's it's almost a tease of what could have been if he had played this well all year long, but he's playing when he, he needs to. He's playing when it matters most, and this was the most points he scored in his career against a power conference team, and you can save your BC is not a power conference team jokes, whatever, but th- this is the Cole Swider this team needs. If he plays like this, you've got a chance during some of these really tough matchups ahead. Yeah, BC's not a good basketball team. So winning the game 74 to 63 doesn't really change my opinion of the team one way or the other. No. It wasn't like I'm getting on this podcast now thinking, man, I feel even better about Virginia Tech after watching the way they played on Tuesday night. But I will say this you didn't get really anything from Jesse Edwards, who battled foul trouble. And yep. as Jim Beheim loves to say, just wasn't really in it from the beginning. That's his favorite phrase in the postgame <laughs> press conferences. And Buddy sort of struggled in the second half. Buddy only had two points after halftime. He finishes with 14 points, but by Buddy's standards, he had sort of an off night in terms of his shot and missed some open looks and wasn't much of a factor in the scoring column, at least in the second half, when they did allow 40 points to BC in the second half. But still, I would say the fact that Cole Swider and Joe Girard led you to a victory in ACC competition on the road stands for something. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, those two were fantastic in this game. Joe was Joe was pretty good. He's pretty pretty good. <laughs> um, no, um, I, I almost want to say like he's 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 a PG. He, he's pretty good. Like that that's what he is now. Um, uh, but I I will say this: like when those two are going, you almost would expect Jesse to play better, right? Because think of how much that space is out the floor. We sort of talked about it last show too, or two shows ago, maybe it was about how them being able to spread the floor out, create all that space inside is what allows Jesse to operate. You'd expect when Joe is cooking, I mean, he goes three for five from three. 
Cole goes five of eight from three, and, and they're doing good things offensively, you'd almost expect Jesse Edwards to have 15 points. But it wasn't the case. And, and thank God for Frank Anselm. We'll get to Frank Anselm in a little bit. But this was a, I don't want to say it was an all-around team effort, but you were propelled. You, you saw good things from a lot of people in this game, from all five positions, I'll say. You saw good things from all five positions out there. It just wasn't necessarily the five guys that you're used to seeing show you good things. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like BC almost made a conscious choice to guard Jesse a little bit more. And they were pretty physical on him. And it was one of the first games where it was like Jesse was at the top of the scouting report, maybe. Because we've talked about how Jesse is doing some really nice things offensively, but it's also a byproduct of the spacing that Syracuse gives him. And the fact that you can't leave Cole Swider, you can't leave Buddy Bayheim. Well, it seemed like they kind of tried to take Jesse out of the game and they were able to do that, but you can't take both phases out. If you're going to go after Jesse a little bit harder, if you're going to be more physical down low, then Cole's got to hit shots or Joe Girard's got to hit shots. And they stepped up and did that in this game. And you got a consistent three-point effort too in both halves. I tweeted out before the game, Syracuse since joining the ACC has been lights out at County Forum shooting the three ball. They're shooting 41%. They, they went for 43%, I believe, in this game. Uh, or no, 40, 46%, rather, in this wow. game. So this is, for some reason, that place is a shooting haven for them. Like, they feel like they're at... Um, well, it's a home at, game, right? Right. No, let's is. go That's, orange was exactly. crazy. Their bearings are down. Everything's good there. Um, but you got 6 of 13 in the first half, and then you got 5 of 11 in the second half. You're shooting about 45% in each half, like that's going to be a recipe for success. When you get a consistent three-point effort, like take away Jesse all you want. If you're going to be able to shoot the three ball at a 45% clip, you're beating BC. You're going to beat BC because the talent's going to win out. Yeah, so four wins in a row, of course, they've had at least 10 threes in all four of these games now, Syracuse, and they've shot them pretty efficiently, like 46% in this game. On the note of Cole Swider, really cool to see him play well in front of what was likely, I'm assuming, a hometown crowd for him. Yeah. It mm-hmm. seemed like his high school coach was there, Mike Hart, who was uh, definitely a big part of getting him to Syracuse, and he's gotten a couple players to Syracuse in the past. And he said he was joking with him before the game that he didn't respond to his text when he was asking if he was coming. And he was like, why didn't you respond to my text? But he says they keep in contact after each and every game. And He's been a big part of sort of helping him along this process. And that's what it's been. I mean, I think we had too high of expectations for him as a fan base when he first started at Syracuse because he comes over from Villanova and he wasn't doing much. But I was talking with Devo on the scores table recently, and he said something so simple, but it stuck with me. He was like, look, Cole is a dead eye shooter and he's just not making shots. And this was, of course, before he went on his run here. But I guess we should have seen it coming in part because at some point, water is going to find its level. At some point, a really good shooter that works really hard is going to start to get some confidence and make some shots. And to Cole's credit, when he was struggling and when we were hard on him on this podcast and so on and so forth, and the fan base was down on him, he was still doing other things to contribute, getting rebounds, yeah. playing hard on defense. Now it's kind of all coming together because he's making some shots as well. So I'm looking at some of the numbers here, all right? When Cole scores at least 13 points, Syracuse is nine and three. When he makes at least three threes, they're seven and three. And like you look at some of the games that they've lost, it's like some of them they could have won too. Like that Miami game, they could have won that game. The Florida State game at home could have won that game. The only one that really there wasn't 
uh, a question about is the Auburn game. So yeah. when he's playing well, like it gets into the question, like, is he the X factor for this team? Is he the most important player? Does he dictate success for this team? I, I think you're sort of in a toss up between Joe and Cole, but the way that Cole has played during this four game winning streak now, albeit three of those wins are, are kind of gimmies. Like you should have had at least three of those wins, sure. but I mean, blowing out Wake Forest, that's an important win for this team. From a morale standpoint, and Cole played really well in that game. 18 points and two of two from the feet, from a three-point land. So it almost begs the question, like, is Cole the most important piece? And the way that he's played over the last four games and the results that you've had over the last four games, it's hard to argue with it right now. Right. I think it's 1A Cole Swider, 1B Joe Girard in the X-Factor conversation. It's no coincidence that Joe Girard is probably having his most consistent four-game stretch here. Cole Swider's having his most consistent and best four-game stretch, and they're on a four-game winning streak. So we will jump into the center discussion a little bit. Jesse getting into foul trouble, and then Frank Anselm stepping up in just a second. But it is that time of the year where I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. Thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. And if you have not tried the Built Bar Puffs by now, I don't know what you're waiting on because you're truly missing out. They are some of the best tasting Built Bars out there. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're now they're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. The best part about Built Bars, they taste like a candy bar, but they are somehow good for you. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So somehow it's good for you. I don't really know how they do it. I don't know the science behind it, but I just trust Built Bar. You can go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your order Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So Frank Anselm really steps up as Jesse has an off night. And look, off nights are going to happen. Jesse, yep. of all players, I think was due for one of those. And he was probably due to get into foul trouble again. A little disappointed to see it happen, but... It's nice to see that when he did have an off night, Frank Anselm steps right up. And that's what this team needs, especially going forward. Jim Beheim said something that sort of bugged me a little bit post game where he was like, we need a day off. We're tired. And I'm thinking, man, if, if you need a day off in this stretch, how, how are you going to feel in a couple right. weeks when you have five and 10 days? But we got some jokes on Twitter. I think it was Zach who tweeted us and said, Maybe Jesse's just forward thinking, trying to get his rest up for that five and 10 day stretch, which I got a <laughs> kick out of. So I don't know. It's it's not ideal that Jesse gets in foul trouble, but it is great to see that when he does, Frank Anselm can step up. Right. This is something that you have not had the luxury of in the past, a backup center that's capable. And seeing Frank step in is is a nice little sideshow to this whole thing i mean he goes out there ties his career high in rebounds plays a career high in minutes in this game as well and when you look oh, at it 22 it, minutes 20 right? i think 23 is what it rounded out okay at. yeah and then you 5.6 rebounds and not just that but i think it's the trust that jim Beheim also showed in him a to go out there and play as long as he did but kind of ride him too despite the fact that he was also in a little bit of foul trouble as well he ended up with three fouls in this game so jim Beheim sticking with them through it i think I don't want to say sent a message per se, but 
I think it sent a positive message almost like, okay, I have faith in you. Like don't pick up that fourth and we're going to ride you for the, the bulk of this game. He gets way more minutes in this game than Jesse Edwards did. And rightfully so he's playing well. He earned that time out there on the floor and having this second option, like he's a second option that you almost wonder what it would be like if he was out there for the 30 to 35 at some points. But right now, like you can't take Jesse out of the lineup and you can't play both of them at the same time. So this is kind of what you're stuck with right now. I don't know. Maybe you do find a lineup that works with both of them for next season. But for right now, this is kind of what you're you're stuck with. Yeah, I do think if he was playing in the neighborhood of 30 minutes, he'd be having foul trouble issues, much like would, Jesse yeah. Edwards. Mm-hmm. Because he gets a lot of fouls in a short amount of time. And it was interesting hearing Jim Boeheim postgame because he was almost like hesitant to give Frank Anselm credit. Like it, it hurt him to say he played well. Yeah, he's now, dug his heels in. Th- yeah, that might be unfair, but it, he even said something like, look, Frank's got to learn how to jump. There were three rebounds that were right there, and he just didn't jump. And I don't know why we can't get him to jump on some of the rebounds. So he was still sort of hard on Frank and Jesse, and he said something to the effect of, I've been on it all year, like our centers need to play well. And tonight it's scary when a guy like Quinton Post, who I think has a bright future, but is by no means a finished product and by no means a dominant big in the ACC, goes off and has a career game. And BC is somewhat of a physical team. They're going to see them in now 10 days from now as well, back inside the Dome, and there will be more Let's Go Orange chance there, and it'll be easier, but basically another home game. But it does feel like Jim Beheim still wants more from the centers, and he's particularly hard on that group. Frank Anselm is a work in progress, but I thought he played very well overall considering the circumstances. He's contributed meaningfully to two wins this season. When you think back to Indiana, albeit he almost was a a, a big reason why they didn't win the game. And, and then you look back at this game too. Like he came in and gave you meaningful contributions and sort of had to have it games too. Like you think back to where this team was heading into that Indiana game a reeling stretch at, at the battle for Atlantis where you're hoping to salvage two of three, you end up going one of three. And then you come back with a tough game against Indiana on a pretty short ish turnaround, especially given that you played three games the week before in a condensed stretch. And he provided a spark there. And then in this game, he provides a spark off the bench and plays nearly starter level minutes. So this is the develop. Like I have seen development out of Frank Anselm this year, which is a good thing at the backup center position. It's just going to be, you got to hope you can retain him at a certain point too, because he might say, okay, I went out there. I played 23 really good minutes. Could I get 30 really good minutes somewhere else? Like that's the conundrum you sort of fall into in this day and age. But listen, I, I really like what I've seen out of Frank. It's been up and down in terms of how much he, how much time he really sees. In, in in a game-to-game basis, but I like what I've seen so far this season out of Frank. I think he's kind of been an under-the-radar success story for this team this year. No doubt. I think the defense has gotten better rotationally, and at the top of the zone, their three-point defense, some of that is just luck of the draw of teams you're playing and everything, but I do feel like watching it eye test, they've been better at closing out. They've been better at contesting three-point jump shots the interior defense is still a little bit of a concern. Like Keve Aluma is coming up next game. He's by no means like some seven footer, but he can score down low if he gets the ball down there. Well, more importantly, he can follow Jesse. He can follow Jesse really easily. Right. 
and he can get Frank into foul trouble. And I think that's the big issue is when you go up against an Armando Baycott in a couple of weeks, when you go up against a Mark Williams, mm-hmm. how tough, how physical can Jesse Edwards and Frank Anselm be without fouling? And that's going to be a key. And that's why this defense is so bad because the top of the zone has been an issue throughout the year. That's sort of getting rectified, but you still can point to other problems in the zone. And it's just, it's not an athletic defense. So they have to do as much as they can each night to try and make it as good as possible. And it's been better, but I think the interior defense needs to improve. It's gotten better, but how much can you take away from the four game stretch is another question. Like I'm looking at the Ken Palm offensive efficiency numbers here. Wake Forest is 46th, which for a team that is nine and four in the conference, 46th isn't great, right? Still a good, good it's solid. Though. It's not top 50. Yeah. It's good, but it's it could be better. It's not like some of the best of the best in the ACC. Uh, you look at Louisville. I mean, they're 177. Boston College, they're 182. NC State, they're 50th. So how much can you really take away from this? I don't know. I'm, I'm more interested to see what you can do against Virginia Tech who's 18 right. and right there neck and neck for being one of the best offenses in the conference. So that's what I'm looking for. Those are the tests because we've seen how this defense has played against a team like Miami. Uh, we saw how it played against Duke. Like those are the, the real tests for you. You've got a real test coming up on Saturday. Virginia tech's kind of everything for this stretch, Virginia tech. Let's put it this way. The four games that you've played in, like those are critical wins to kind of reboot, revitalize your season. But Beating Virginia Tech would be validating all of your success that you've had over the last four games. Yeah, Virginia Tech right now is the number two shooting, three-point shooting offense in the country. So, BC, terrible shooting on spot-up threes, as we saw a totally different animal on the road against Virginia Tech on Saturday. We'll preview that game later on this week. We'll also make our picks later on this week. And when we do that, we will look at our friends at Bet Online because they have you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right up to the big game. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. So I want to finish up talking a little bit about Benny, because as typical, he's a topic of conversation here. He gets in there. I thought he struggled again. He missed a couple jumpers. I think he did get to the free throw line and made one, but as we talked about, the jumper still looks flat. It still looks tentative. And I'll, I'll go back to something I said early on in the season. It's almost like, again, to make another golf analogy, which we love to do on this podcast. I know at least I love to do. I throw him in any chance. Like He's working on a swing change, it looks like. it. You know, they say in golf, sometimes the phrase is, he's playing golf swing. He's not playing golf. Right. And to me, when Benny shoots he's playing basketball shot, not playing basketball, I guess would be the the proper way of no. analyzing that. Like it just, it's very calculated. Everything's overthinking. It looks a little bit robotic at times and nothing about it's natural. And even when he's off the ball, it just feels like things are very like stimulating and he's thinking a lot and he's not just out there playing on his instincts, which is what he needs to do because he's a super athletic guy. And 
He needs to just get to the basket more. Everyone's saying yeah. it, but it's so mm-hmm. true. He's just settling too much. And it's tough in an offense where he's not getting the ball a lot. So it's not a great situation, but I don't know. It, it's tough to justify playing him more than 15 minutes a night, the way he's playing right now. I don't like the lineup that this would require, but I wonder how he would do in a small lineup where Jimmy's at the five because Jesse takes up a lot of attention down low, especially when Benny's on the floor too, because Benny's not going to be that threat to kind of stretch out the defense. Like we've talked about why Jesse has had success is because there's a lot of space down there, but when Benny's in the lineup, things kind of shrink down in the paint a little bit. So I, I almost wonder how much success he would have if you've got that threat of Jimmy out there at the five and you just sort of let Benny operate in the post and get to the basket that way. Again, it, it, there's no time to experiment at this point because you've got a good thing going. It's tough to break from that, but I'm with you. He's got to get to the basket more and just force the issue. Like we've seen a couple of times this year when he forces the issue to the basket, he makes some nice plays. I mean, think back to that, the play he made against the Georgetown game um, when he had the little spin. I mean, that's the highlight of his season when he goes up, gets some, like, I want to see him get dunks. All right. The right. jump shot, like you said, is, is a work in progress right now. And it's tough to trust yourself. So, any changes that you do make to your jump shot, it's going to be tough to trust in a game. That's why it was so impressive when um, Frank Anselm stepped to the free throw line in that Indiana game. And Jim Beheim said after the game, Frank's been working on some things at the free throw line and yeah. he made those adjustments. And I was like, you know, that's really impressive and really mature for a player in a, a crunch time situation and double overtime to trust those changes that he has made as opposed to reverting back to what's comfortable. Like embracing the uncomfortable and crunch time is a really, really underrated trait that a player can have. And I just don't know if Benny trusts it or if he does, he, he's he's thinking too much about trusting it maybe yeah. at this point, kind of like what you alluded to. And it's, it's, listen, it's a tough transition to make. It's something that probably takes a summer. I'm at the point right now with Benny Williams where I can only be impressed at this point. I'm not expecting anything major the rest of the year. If I do see something... It's 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 a good thing. But right now it's tough to it's tough to really judge anything that you've seen, because right now he's clearly going through some changes like you alluded to. And B, I mean, it's just not together out there. Yeah, the 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 hamster wheel spinning in his head too much right now. And you just need a free flowing spirit out there on the floor. He has not made a field goal in the last 53 minutes of playing time. And I think he's like, go for 11 during that stretch. And think about what, like, I don't know how many games that is, but 53 minutes for him, I'm guessing is what? Like six, seven games, five, five, six games. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that was, we got a good tweet from Steve. Shout out to him. Who sort of brought that to my attention. He said, you think you'd get a few just hanging around the rim, getting dishes from other players or offensive rebounds. He's hustling. Like you should get a couple by accident or like a putback or something. Like that's almost what I want to see is, all right, you've got all these shooters around you. Get an offensive rebound and then go back up strong with it. And yeah. you had two offensive rebounds in this game. Like, get the, get it, collect, go back up strong with it, or use your athleticism and soar in for a putback. Like, those are the types of things that can rejuvenate a mind, rejuvenate your confidence right there. Yeah, I go back to what we were saying sort of in the non-conference stretch where a lot of people were like, look, you guys are too hard on Benny. Like, he's just a freshman. He's going to be fine. I feel like I was sort of, out there a little bit by saying, I don't know if it's going to get there this year because the shot is such a work in progress. And that's such a thing that takes time. And Jim Beheim has said quotes that stood out to me. Like if you're not shooting, it's tough to make an impact at that position. 
and he's not shooting and it hasn't changed. And we were waiting for that breakout game. Remember in the non-conference stretch, we kept saying, is this the Benny game? And it never came. And now his confidence Mm -hmm. has stagnated and probably even regressed to this point. Right. No, you're, you're a hundred percent right there. And listen, like he plays six minutes in this game. He hasn't done a lot to deserve more than six minutes. I think that's important. You bring that up. Like, We've had some tweets saying a leash and so on and so forth. And there's some truth to that because at the start of the year, he should have been mm-hmm. playing more and there were opportunities to get him in more. But if you're Jim Beheim right now, yes. I would say the mm-hmm. last four or five games, he's been out there and he's made mistakes and stayed out there and he's got an extended run. Yeah. I put that in quotation marks because yeah. for him, I'm saying extended run, but yeah, I don't have any problem with the way Jim Beheim has coached Benny Williams in the last four or five games, though. I think he's actually maybe made a conscious choice to say, I'm going to leave him out there through some mistakes, and it's mm-hmm. just not leading to results, really. So at a certain point, you have to pull the plug. No, I, I'm 100% with you there. And listen, I think the way, from everything that we've seen from Benny Williams and his character, I think he'd tell you the same thing. Like, yeah. hey, if anything, like... I don't deserve more minutes because of the way that I've played and some of the mistakes that I've made out there on the floor. And listen, you'd, you'd rather him make those mistakes this year as opposed to next year when he may be a starter on this team and be a really integral part of whatever success they may have next year. Like next year, you want to iron these kinks out because right now this is still a, a subpar Syracuse team that is not angling towards the tournament if things were to end today. Now, could some of that change down the stretch? Who knows? But like, if that's going to change, one of the one of two things has to become true: either Benny Williams is not playing at all, or Benny Williams is playing a meaningful fifteen to seventeen minutes. Like, I don't think there's an in between. I don't think this team can have success with Benny Williams playing six minutes. I think it's got to be a kind of all or nothing approach with him to a degree. Yeah, I thought we weren't going to see him at all, and then once. He went to Jimmy at the five. He brought him in, and that was only for a couple minutes. I really you know what strikes me odd, though, with, with Benny? He sits right next to Bayheim, Which is good. I like game, that. Which is a good thing, yeah. But, like, usually that spot, I feel like, is reserved for the first guy into the game. And maybe I'm wrong maybe. on that, but... Um, I think they're teaching him throughout the game. That'd I, I do, too, hope, yeah. At least. Yeah, no, it's definitely happening because he's sandwiched between coaches. It's not like he's sitting next to other players. Like, he is between coaches, which I think is a really good thing for him. Um, but that's a spot that I feel like in the past has been reserved. And maybe I'm totally wrong on this, but I feel like that's been a spot reserved for the first guy in the game just because it's a quick, all right, get in, get in real quick. Um, but I... Uh, it's weird, but I'm glad he's I'm, I'm glad he's sort of taking it like through osmosis that way, too. Yeah, I would say this. Is he a bust? Absolutely not. There's a no, lot of freshmen that. that struggle and you could go down the list at Syracuse. Tons of guys that just didn't play freshman year. Then they have a huge sophomore year. So I still you could have go through the that. list in the country right now. Like, yeah. You want right. to point to a guy like and I get he transferred, but like look at Johnny Juzang. Johnny Juzang was terrible as a freshman, it, like to the yeah. point where he got benched and, and pretty much never saw the floor. Johnny last, Davis who's yeah. at Wisconsin scored mm-hmm. five points a game last year, which probably exceeded expectations to get that much when he came in. So it's not unnatural to see what's happening. And I would also say that I don't really expect him to find it this year. And I think I've, Maybe if I give up hope on that, it's just going to happen. Right. So we'll, and that's we'll why I said at this it. point, I can only be impressed. I'm not going to knock yeah. him for the performance because we've seen what he sort of is for this season. Again, this is a this season thing, not a long-term career projection thing for, for Benny. 
Yeah, and I think my opinion on how many minutes he should get has shifted. A lot of our talk in the two to three weeks before this sort of winning streak or even the week before, like after the Pittsburgh game, was just make it a priority to get him out there. I still agree. I think he should get minutes when Mm -hmm. minutes are to be had, and you should give him a fair chance, and you shouldn't ever bring him in and just take him out after two minutes. That helps no one. But what happened last night, I'm totally fine with. Yeah, Bring him in. If he contributes, great. If not, take him out after five, six, seven minutes. But let's say you lost this BC game, which is the official proclamation of of waving the white flag, pretty much. Like, I don't think there's any rebounding, at least from a regular season standpoint. Then this conversation shifts back to, all right, let's get him some developmental minutes. But Right. right now you're playing with a lot of momentum and you've got some big games coming up. So you got to play these ones to win as opposed to, all right, let's, let's get the developments in. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if he plays at all against Virginia tech, but we will discuss that more throughout the week on the podcast. We'll get you guys ready for Virginia tech. We'll touch on any recruiting news that comes up. We're here with you guys every single weekday. So we thank you for listening today and we'll talk to you on Thursday.